All right, Manu Mateo, welcome back, guys. Just woke up. Uh, surprisingly, I was up pretty late last night watching some Peter Hitchens interviews. I don't know if you guys have ever tuned into him. He's got some interesting takes. He's got some interesting takes talking about uh, Christianity and Western civilization. I find that stuff interesting um, because one thing that I figured out is that a lot of people, when they say that they want freedom, I- I'm not sure what they mean by that. And I thought a few years ago, everyone was on the same page as to what that meant. You know, I used to be uh, part of a particular liberty organization. I used to be one of the state chairs, actually, in my home state. And, you know, we'd do, like, free speech balls and national debt clocks and everything like that. And I put in the work to promote liberty and freedom. And I thought everybody knew what that meant. But being in the crypto sphere, I'm no longer certain of that. I'm no longer sure that people understand what freedom means and... That's one of the things that we're going to be talking about today. I don't know if these people in Bitcoin understand that Bitcoin is not going to be the road to freedom. Um, And we're going to talk about why Monero is better for that. We're going to talk about the Freedom Coin Covenant. But honestly, uh, it's a little bit dispiriting when you go on Twitter and places like this. And, you know, half of the Bitcoin population, well, probably more than half of the people that I see on Twitter who are all about Bitcoin, they're moon boys. Uh, We're going to 100,000. This person says we're going to 260,000. I mean, we've had crazy price predictions going back quite a ways. And do you guys remember John McAfee? He had said, I think back in like 2018, if it's not a million dollars by the end of the year, I'm going to go on national TV and eat my own hot dog, right? Uh, And then he, you know, found Monero and he had a uh, road to Damascus or road to Satoshi, however you want to put it, type of adventure, a road down blockchain lane, and he uh, started to evangelize for Monero and understood that was the real deal and understood that Bitcoin was a trap and everyone should move on over to Monero. But um, we're going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin today, and I might just make this a series because the number of people I run into on Twitter, and you know, I try to have some reason, rational arguments, and I do run into a lot of intelligent people on Twitter that I can do that with, contrary to what a lot of people's experiences are. Um, I'm able to share some information with them, they share some insights with me, and I think it's great. But you do run into a lot of seemingly subconscious resistance from Bitcoin people about where things are going, Um, you know, because many of them are not tuned into what we talk about here on the channel uh, in regards to the growing technocratic panopticonical surveillance state and how Bitcoin's totally tracked and traced and how they're going to come out with unrealized capital gains taxes and harvest your wealth out of you and all this stuff. Like people just unaware of this. Um, People should go watch the money today because that will give you a huge insight as to what's going on. Uh, in the world and who's really behind a lot of the developments going on with Bitcoin and blockchain. So, um, you know, when you read into that stuff, you really become a little bit more skeptical of what's going on. But uh, yeah, today we're going to dig into the first volume of Bitcoin Copers. I'm not sure what I'm actually going to call this series, but it's going to turn into a series, right? Because there's just so much coping, which we have to address uh, in the Bitcoin community. Hopefully you guys can share these links. Hopefully you can like the video. Please like the video so that we can move it up into the algorithms, get this information out to people. And also please donate, guys. There are a few people donating, but we need more donations, frankly. Uh, We do really good work here on the channel. More of you need to donate. Please do that. I would appreciate it. And that would keep the operations going. We could get better lighting back here. Uh, you know, I want to make a website, but I just didn't have the money, honestly. Uh, there's this guy, Nathan, cool guy, a uh, friend of mine, but 
he uh, needs to, you know, get paid for the website and I need money for the website. So please help me do that. I would really appreciate it. And that would help us get information out to more people because I, I think that the information we have on this channel is really key. I think it's really key. I think most of you who watch this stuff know it's really key too. So I would appreciate if you would help support the channel, become a patron, you get some benefits over there, check that stuff out. Okay, so enough with my sales pitch. Um, this is from Trace Evader, and I may start every single video that we do here with this quote, because Trace Evader totally sums this up. By the way, go give this guy a follow. Ah, I just banged my ankle. Yeah, this guy's got totally key takes. He's got really good takes on everything that's going on. He's one of the few people who I think is on the same wavelength that we are, that, uh, you know, Bitcoin is sort of the wrong path forward and we should pivot to Monero, right? So he says here, if only people had adopted Monero in 2016 instead of pushing Bitcoin, uh, but it is likely that rich governments and bankers were the ones pushing value and FOMO into Bitcoin anyways. Well, we see this all the time with CNBC. Um, I don't know how long you guys have been in this financial game, but I've been reading into this stuff for you know, seven, eight years, something like that. And CNBC never talked about gold. They never wanted to talk about gold. I mean, they're fully aware of what was going on with the money printing and central banking, uh, you know, fiasco with, you know, unlimited debt expansion, everything like this. They never talked about gold, though. And even during times of chaos, they rarely talked about gold. And why do they fear gold so much? Well, Gold and silver are inflation indicators, and everybody knows inflation has been much higher than they've been saying it is. And so if people start to go into gold and silver and, you know, they start to squeeze the big bullion banks and the big banks like JP Morgan, who have big short positions against gold and silver, well, then that causes a lot of issues, right? Then that makes inflation look higher than it actually is. It exposes the lie of the CPI, and then the Fed's going to have to raise interest rates in order to uh, address that concern, but they can't because there's too much debt and that would crash the system, right? So Bitcoin has been recently on CNBC, probably over the last, you know, two, three years, like featured every single day <laughs> in like almost every single interview, they talk about Bitcoin. Um, and that makes you wonder, right? Why are they so gung-ho about Bitcoin? Uh, why are some of the biggest investors in the world talking about Bitcoin now? And there's some speculation as to why that is, but, uh, yeah, now you have like, uh, you know, Jack Dorsey pushing Bitcoin now. And Jack Dorsey wants to integrate your Bitcoin address into your social media account. Wow, that's amazing, right? <laughs> Doesn't that just sound really revolutionary, guys? Just everybody knowing how much money you have and everything like this. Now, everyone says the Lightning Network is a little bit more private. Um, we've talked about that in our Lightning Network report on our Patreon. If you want to go check that out, it's a little bit it's a structural issue. It's a structural issue. Um, and I am a little bit doubtful as to how the Lightning Network is actually going to expand to encompass like over a billion people um, with the onboarding of people from Bitcoin onto the Lightning Network. Uh, you only have five transactions or so that you can do per second. And the math is pretty tough on that, right? The math is pretty tough. How are you going to be able to get people onto the Lightning Network without huge centralization? right? Without onboarding people directly to custodial wallets and things like this, right? That's, that's a challenge. But back to Trace Evader, um, people should be smarter than this, but they chase gains, right? And that's why, like Bitcoin is a meme. Like Bitcoin is a meme. Um, and Anthony Pompliano, he said, like just the other day, he's like, we memed Bitcoin into the hands of the world's biggest investors. We memed Bitcoin into a trillion dollar market cap. Yeah, it's true. It's totally true. Like if you go on Twitter, 
Uh, you know, now you have the e-thoughts entering the space, right? You know, these pretty chicks who, you know, it's good that they're not showing off skin to the degree that some others are in some other parts of the internet, right? Uh, but, you know, they're still using their looks in order to get some of the simpy crypto bros into the space. And yeah, they know nothing about what they're talking about. <laughs> like you listen to these, these women, it's just like, we don't need physical real estate. We just want digital real estate. It's just like, ah, ah. But they're hot, right? And so, like, people listen to them. They have a lot of followers, right? And I'm not hating on any of this stuff. It's just part of the uh, the new world that we're a part of. Uh, but it's just, uh, it is a meme, right? It is a meme. And he says, reset the crypto system, right? So that's one thing that I often say I like about Pirate Chain is that it is very meme. <laughs> and, you know, the privacy tech seems pretty good. CK Snark seems like they work pretty well. I still have some issues, right? I mean, I do, I do want tail emission to be part of the pirate chain protocol. Um, they don't have that. Uh, it's not ASICs resistant. And we've talked to Draith about this, uh, Captain Draith. Check out our interview on that. It's a really key interview if you want to learn more about pirate chain. But uh, yeah, it's a meme. And it could definitely spread and evangelize private cryptos in a way that Monero really hasn't over the last few years. And I know people have done good work in the marketing Monero, but at the same time, uh, it's good that I think projects like Pirate Chain are out there because we do live in a market where people are easily influenced by things that have nothing to do with technology and have nothing to do with the underlying protocol, right? But the more that we can get people into this stuff, even if they don't know what it is, the better, right? I mean, you're not like you're not going to have a cypherpunk revolution. And a lot of people think this is going to be the case for Monero. Oh, well, uh, we'll just have the people who really care about privacy be here. Uh, when people figure out they need privacy, they'll get into it and, uh, you know, We'll just keep it a cypherpunk space for the insiders who really know better. It's just like, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> I don't think that's how this works. Um, you need a network effect. You need other people to be involved in this stuff, even if they don't know what they're doing. Um, we want to educate them as to why this is great and why it's going to be really, really important for the world that we're going into, of course. But, you know, we need the network effects. We need other people to be using this stuff. We need more merchants to accept this stuff. We need it to really take on uh, momentum right? I mean, Dogecoin is completely worthless cryptocurrency, but you can go to basketball games and spend Dogecoin to buy the tickets. Like you can't do that with Monero, right? And so the more that we grow the network, the better. And so we need to market this stuff. We need memes. We need people to get involved. And I know people, right? Uh, who don't vote for the president based on any of the policies, based on how articulate they are. They vote for the president based on who has the better looking wife. <laughs> They vote for the president based on who the first lady is going to be. Like, that's how people think, guys. And that's hard for people who are here to grasp, I think. Uh, but that is the population, the general population. Like, they don't have this outside or this uh, inquisitive nature. They don't, they, like, I'm not trying to speak bad about other people, but like, you guys understand where I'm coming from, right? Like, this is just kind of the way the game works. So, we need to. Uh, you know, reset the crypto system. That'd be cool. I don't know how that's going to happen. But yes, Trace Evader, he's got a really good take. He's got a really good take. And then let's go to some of the uh, copes that I've seen over the last few days. So this was from a tweet from Odell. Odell doesn't really talk about Monero. He's sort of like Adam Back. He was one of the people who we were talking about in our crypto wealth confiscation video, who was like, Oh, well, we need to call this what it is. We need to call this unrealized capital gains tax what it is. It's wealth confiscation. It's like, yeah, 
It absolutely is. And if they know that you have the Bitcoin that you have and uh, they know your balance and they know where you are, well, they're going to come knocking at your door for your uh, wealth. And some people are like, oh, well, you know, uh, they can't take it out of my wallet. Who do they think they are? It's just like, <laughs> okay, well, then they'll put a lien on your house. Uh, they will uh, take your other assets. They'll charge you interest payments. They'll make sure they get your money, right? So he's talking about uh, freedom and human rights and things like this. But at the same time, he promotes the uh, adoption of a cryptocurrency that makes it so entities like Google, who invest tens of millions of dollars in websites like blockchain.com, uh, which allow you know big tech firms and intelligence agencies to figure out who owns what, how much Bitcoin they have, who they're spending it with. Like He promotes that technology uh, and at the same time talks about uh, human rights and freedom and things like this. And it's a little bit perplexing, right? I mean, I imagine he knows about Monero and privacy oriented cryptocurrencies, but nevertheless, nevertheless, it's just something to point out. Uh, blockchain analysis companies and agencies must be put out of business by default uh, using the power of physics and mathematics through core code. This is one of the most important things that's needed to enhance human rights, says Monetary Reset. And I like this guy. We had a good chat, as you're about to see. But, you know, he's if you look at uh, you know this thing over here, he says humans more than a bunch of molecules. Moral, religion, state is a gang of thing, thieves, writ large, freedom, democracy, taking, tracking the Great Monetary Reset. Yeah, so uh, he knows about the Great Reset. He knows about the agenda to make it so that you own nothing and you'll be happy, which is, you know, why when I see these ethos talking about digital real estate and how you don't need real real estate, it's just like, oh, man, you're just kind of playing into that whole agenda, right? It's like the whole NFT thing. I really don't understand it. Uh, I, I made a tweet today. I'd rather have good land than any other asset, even any cryptos. Um, I think that land is really important. You can grow your own food. You can make a living off the earth. And with Bill Gates buying up all the farmland here in the United States and BlackRock buying up a lot of the residential real estate, uh, it's a little bit perplexing and honestly frustrating to me that so many people in crypto who have so much money are wasting all that on, you know, worthless JPEGs, right? Um, that's a little bit bothersome. But nevertheless... Uh, to show you this conversation, I'm like, does this mean buy Monero? <laughs> right? Blockchain analysis companies and agencies must be put out of business by default using the power of physics and mathematics through core code. Sounds like Monero. Does that mean Monero? He says, nope. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, how do you expect them to be put out of business? And he's like, the power of physics and mathematics through core code. And I'm like, what does that mean? Bitcoin is tracked and traced. Are you saying it needs to be made private by changing the code? And he actually uh, linked a pretty interesting clip with Ed Snowden talking about how Taproot doesn't fix Bitcoin's privacy problems. That's true. Zcash uh, it does the best in the space with their shielded transactions, but it's optional, which was his issue with that. And Pirate Chain isn't optional. They use, I think, pretty much the same technology as Zcash. They use shielded transactions. They use ZK Snarks. And it's not, it's not optional. So I think Pirate Chain has pretty good privacy tech from what I understand. So it's a pretty promising project. And then he says, Monero, they're just playing a shell game. Uh, well, yes, uh, Monero, you do want to, if you want to be totally 100% private, you want to have some OPSEC strategies, op operational security strategies, right? Like you want to be using different wallets if you can. You want to be avoiding centralized exchanges, uh, atomic swaps, and... Um, and uh, decentralized exchanges, peer-to-peer -peer exchanges like Havano are going to be absolutely key. And I think that's going to solve a lot of, uh, you know, the uh, the problems with uh, Monero's potential privacy issues. Uh, because 
if you don't know how this works, they use ring signatures, which puts Monero into a circle of like 10 other transactions, which aren't real transactions. So you have one real transaction, then you've got 10 not real transactions. And so, you know, it's not like... um, there, it's impossible to figure out which transaction is yours. It's just very, very hard. And you have, um, you do have, what's the term? Deniability, plausible deniability. That's the word I'm looking for. So they can't deterministically figure out which transaction is yours, but they can suspect. Uh, but that's why it's important to get more people onto the network. Again, as we talked about, because you raise the anonymity set, the more transactions that there are, the more deca- the more decoys. And if there aren't many people using the network, well, then, then there are less decoys and uh, intelligence agencies can pick up on which de- decoys are being reused and then they can more readily narrow down which transaction is yours. So that's why it's important to grow the anonymity set. As far as I understand, that's how that works. Um, if you are a tech guru and I said anything wrong, please let me know. But to the best of my understanding, that is how that works. So the more people that use it, the better. And that's the same thing with any privacy protocol, Pirate Chain, Monero, which is why even if people don't really understand this stuff, we need to get them into it anyway, and we need to be spending this stuff as currency, right? So I said, yeah, I think he makes good points here. Nothing I disagree with, really. I say that Monero is sufficiently private in its current form. As atomic swaps and P2P exchanges become more used, that will make it more so. Pirate Chain is also interesting. Now, he says here, this is where I want to... Call your attention, right? He says, atomic swaps, P2P, and other non-cryptos can be tools to an end. The end is non-KYC Bitcoin. So he kind of just ignored everything I said, right? (laughs) He's just like, yeah, Bitcoin's still going to be key. And uh, they're tools to an end. Now, I don't know how they're going to be tools to the end of non-KYC Bitcoin. Um, Maybe he means, and I've heard this argument before, where when atomic swaps become normalized and they become embraced by the crypto community, uh, integrated into idiot-proof user interfaces, well, in a way, Monero could become like a second layer to Bitcoin, right? Uh, Because there are problems with the Liquid Network. Um, You know, there are integral problems with the Lightning Chain as far as privacy is concerned. There have been reports that have come out which have determined that it's actually quite easy to figure out who's using the lightning network um that's again in the report could check that out but you could atomically swap your bitcoin into monero and then you could atomically swap from monero into bitcoin and so in a way you could wash out your coins your bitcoins by using monero atomic swaps but the issue that i see with that is if a lot of people in Monero know that's happening, well, are they going to be so gung-ho to atomically swap their Monero into Bitcoin? Um, And this is something that we talked about in the China videos that I did. Uh, It's a question as to whether or not the Bitcoins that are held by addresses in China are going to be considered by uh, regulatory agencies like FATF and OFAC to be tainted, and whether or not that perception... And that perspective is going to be translated over to exchanges and other places where you can cash out your Bitcoin, right? So, like, if you do an atomic swap with somebody from China and you trade your Monero for their Bitcoin, are you receiving tainted Bitcoin in that transaction? Um, That is a concern. And a lot of people in Monero, like right now, you have really intelligent, aware people uh, who are aware of a lot of this stuff, right? And so, 
it's questionable to me once these passageways open up, how much traffic there's actually going to be from the Monero side going into the Bitcoin side and vice versa. Now, we do know that a lot of people in Bitcoin are looking to get in Monero with atomic swaps because there are a lot of people who do have non-KYC Bitcoin because they got into Bitcoin before everything was KYC. And uh, I think Jeff Berwick, a number of months ago, he had said that he knew somebody who got into Bitcoin back in like 2013, 2014, made like $100 million from it, and now wants to use atomic swaps to get into a private crypto like Monero and Pirate Chain and then figure out a way to cash out from there. Because if he takes that money to an exchange to cash out, or if he goes from that address to another KYC address, uh, you know, that's going to open him up to tremendous tax liabilities. And I'm not saying you shouldn't pay your taxes. Again, I'm a tax accountant. You should pay your taxes. You should definitely comply with the law and all that stuff, right? But that's going to be something that's on the mind of a lot of people who have made a lot of money in Bitcoin and they want to cash out. Um, and so, you know, it, it's interesting. That's Those are just some interesting points. But the end is non-KYC Bitcoin. And my question here was, why does it have to be Bitcoin? Why does it have to be Bitcoin? I said, respectfully, this is an unreasonable expectation. The movement is failing because people aren't willing to see plainly what is occurring in front of them and make appropriate pivots, in my honest opinion. And I do believe that the movement is failing. Uh, it's, it's failing in the sense that you're not moving towards freedom. You're moving towards ever more servitude and serfdom. And people don't have an awareness of this because they're getting rich. And they've confused uh, financial freedom with you know, uh, freedom from big government spying on you and freedom from big governments being able to tax you and being able to uh, have significant influence over your life. Bitcoin does not prevent that from happening, in my humble opinion. Now, people will say, well, at least there's a limited number of Bitcoin and this is a way that we could fight back against central banks. And we'll get to that here in a sec. But the issue that I see with that is they've already made it quite clear that in most countries, the central bank digital currency, which is being worked on by over 100, country, over 100 countries, I believe. And Nigeria just rolled out theirs. Uh, the Bank of England's working on theirs. There's going to be a European uh, central bank digital currency. China just rolled out theirs, which is why they clamped down on cryptocurrency, which, again, we're going to get to here in a sec. But the central bank digital currency is what I anticipate is going to be used for legal tender and is going to be used for most payments that you make in the new crypto world order, which is going to be rolling out. It's not going to be Bitcoin, for the most part. And if you do use Bitcoin, uh, it's going to be taxed as a capital asset, which means you're going to have to keep track of all of your gains and losses for each transaction that you make, right? And so that's going to give you a lot of overhead that you don't want to deal with, so you're probably just going to use the central bank digital currency. And so uh, it's a little bit challenging to me to understand how this is going to be leading to freedom when it's just going to be relegated to something like digital gold, which is what Michael Saylor says all the time. Michael Saylor is like, oh, well, uh, we want the U.S. dollar to be expanded to everybody on Earth. And, you know, Bitcoin is great because it's just going to be digital gold that backs our wonderful U.S. dollar. And it's just like, dude, I, I didn't read that in the white paper. <laughs> Did you guys read that in Satoshi's white paper that we want the U.S. dollar to continue to be the peer-to-peer -peer digital currency of the world and Bitcoin is just going to be digital gold? I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's been totally flipped. And something else people don't know, uh, Michael Saylor is head of MicroStrategies, which is an intelligence gathering firm, and they have relationships with Homeland Security and TSA and uh, 
the Department of Defense and other things like this, right? So people don't, just aren't aware of this stuff. So I told him to check out our videos on MasterCard uh, and the new crypto world order, the digital currency group. And when you watch those videos, you're able to better understand who's behind the rollout of this new financial system, which is really just the old financial system integrating this new blockchain technology, this new distributed ledger technology into uh, a new financial system, right? It's going to be that much more invasive and it's going to be that much more uh, controlling over your personal life. So go check that stuff out. And so speaking of Michael Saylor, here we go. Michael Saylor says, Bitcoin fundamentals have never been better. And then quote the Raven, who's a good follower as well. He's got some good takes. Uh, he says, there are no quote unquote fundamentals, Dillweed. Uh, fundamentals include monetary energy stored. Now, here's how Bitcoin is a little bit different from gold. When you have gold and it's sitting in your hand, that's monetary energy, which has been extend, uh, expended for that gold to be in your hand. And you don't have to rely on future use of monetary energy uh, in order to have that gold have value. So when you hold Bitcoin, it's not just that you have Bitcoin. It's you have exposure to a network which needs consistent uh, running electricity and internet infrastructure in order to have value. That's not the case with gold. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, why should we anticipate the electricity and internet infrastructure won't be working as we anticipate? Well, we talked about that in our hedging against crypto video. Um, go check that out. We do talk about that. And with natural gas prices going through the roof, uh, with some people thinking that oil is going to hit 200 bucks a barrel, a barrel, I mean, that could be something to think about, right? But anyways, FinTech Layer 2 Platforms. Uh, layer three applications. I mean, how many layers is it going to have? <laughs> Breadth and institutional individual investors. Uh, yeah, so he's just talking about more people buying this stuff. That's not really fundamentals. Power of minor network. So again, electricity and internet, nodal diversity, uh, brand strength. Brand strength, that is one thing that they do have. There's no doubt about it which is why it's a little bit more of an uphill battle for us Monero Bros and us in the uh, Freedom Coin Covenant because Bitcoin had the benefit of being like the first crypto to market. And when people think of crypto, what's the first thing that comes to their mind? They think of Bitcoin. And even if you talk to people like me or just many of you out there probably, like somebody mentions crypto, what do you think? Well, you probably first think of Bitcoin than you do Monero. Um, in many cases, right? And so they have that uh, brand strength. That is indeed true. Cultural, political, and legal support. Regulatory clarity. Right, and so now he's like talking about how, uh, you know. Oh, oh yeah, so untraceable. He calls him uh, a compliance bro. <laughs> I think that's a good way to call it. Um, yeah, yeah, because complying with a government which does not have your best interest, that's wonderful, right? That's what Bitcoin is all about. It was the true freedom monetary revolution, which is supposed to supersede government regulation and supersede the central banks. Yeah, it's not happening. That's not happening, really. Uh, the real fundamentals, whirlpool unspent capacity, how many people are going to use that stuff. And I think that they're going to make coin joining and things like this illegal, and they have ways to figure out who's using that stuff. Uh, they have different 
algorithms that they use and employ on the blockchain to figure out uh, who's likely to be involved in coin joining and Bitcoin mixing activity. They've arrested people who have been involved in Bitcoin mixing. And exchanges have, I think, uh, shut down accounts of people who have been associated with that activity. So that's not... That's not uh, foolproof, right? BISC volume. And Haveno is a fork of BISC. BISC is a decentralized peer-to-peer exchange run on Bitcoin. Uh, So a lot of it's tracked, and there are other problems with that. We've talked about that. Check out our Atomic Swap uh, Monero News video. We talk a little bit about the issues with BISC. But Haveno is going to fix a lot of that stuff, and it's going to be based on Monero, so it's going to be intrinsically private, which is fantastic. So that's something to look for. It's going to be super hyper mega bullish for uh, Monero. Home mining. How many people are going to be doing home mining in the future with Bitcoin, with electricity prices going up, with the block rewards going down, and with more people uh, supposedly getting on board to the Lightning Network? Because if more people on, are on the Lightning Network, that means there are fewer transactions being had on the Bitcoin blockchain on the base layer, which means that there are less rewards. So uh, I imagine a lot of mining centralization in Bitcoin is going to occur, especially because we saw in our digital currency group video that you have Blockstream and you have uh, digital currency group doing a lot of vertical integration of the crypto sphere and in mining in particular. Um, digital currency group is invested in Blockstream. Blockstream is making ASICs rigs and they have their own mining operations, digital, digital currency group. They have a group called Foundry that they've invested in, which does financial uh, support for uh, Bitcoin mining operations. And then, of course, you could also go to the stock market and invest in Bitcoin mining operations, which uh, causes an economies of scale type phenomenon where you don't have to take on the cost of mining Bitcoin, but you can get exposure to the profits of it. So that is going to entice more people to do that as well. And they're all going to comply with regulations. They're all going to comply with OFAC. And so if you're on a Bitcoin blacklist, which seems to be expanding, by the way, which nobody seems to be paying attention to, which is very relevant, uh, well, then they're going to be able to shut you out of the Bitcoin network. And this is not on the minds of anybody, but this is theoretically possible. And as we move into the future, I believe quite likely. I believe quite likely. I mean, they've literally shut down exchanges, guys. And they've literally blacklisted entire crypto exchanges. Um, and so, yeah, that's something to definitely be aware of. That is not what Bitcoin was initially to be advertised as. And when that happened... I think that Bitcoin should have went to zero, as my honest opinion. Ransomware and DNM acceptance. I'm not sure what that means. Non-KY. Ex- yeah, well, he's got really good takes. I'd follow him too, untraceable. Wonderful Monero bro. So, uh, Liquid Network had an issue recently. A sufficient number of Liquid Network functionaries have been upgraded and block signing has been resumed. Transactions that were delayed are now included in the new block. So, they had shut down for a little bit. Um, and... We'll get to why that is. And Liquid Network, if you don't know, is a layer two of Bitcoin. So one of these like layer two, layer three, whatever uh, solutions that Michael Say was just talking about. And by the way, this is sponsored by Blockstream. Blockstream is also instrumental in the Lightning Network. And we've talked about Blockstream a little bit. Check out our Bitcoin Black Pill video. Uh, we look at who's behind Blockstream and what nefarious things that they did back in 2017 in order to kind of control the direction of Bitcoin, right? So... Uh, let's look for this tweet I'm looking for. Yeah, so uh, we're aware of an issue with the Liquid Network and are working to resolve it as soon as possible. Please keep an eye on our account for updates. An issue with block signing related to a recent functionary upgrade is currently being investigated. 
funds are unaffected and safe. Now, why would they be having these issues? Well, somebody did some research on the Monero Reddit form. Thank you to this person, uh, Obit. Thank you. He had discovered that apparently the Liquid Federation, which comprises of incorporated companies that have joined as Federation members uh, to maintain and secure the Liquid Network, this federation consists of some kind of conglomerate of exchanges, trading desks, and brokerages. And there seem to be 57 federation members. And so this is not at all a decentralized layer two solution. Uh, this is very centralized. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. You could read into this. So apparently Liquid is some kind of Bitcoin layer 2 run by 57 corporate entities, of which 15 are so important that when not updated, simultaneously the network goes down. Um, sounds awfully centralized to me. Right, and it is very centralized. That's the nature of most layer 2s. And that's going to be the nature of the Lightning Network. Um, we could get into that another time, but it's going to be centralized. It's going to be centralized. And just as an example, look at El Salvador. The whole thing is centralized. The whole thing is custodial. Um, they can pretty much shut off their Lightning Network at any point if they want to. If they want to do upgrades or they just want to stop it or if there's a problem because it's, it's a single point of failure issue, well, then they could just have the whole financial system shut down. So it's very centralized over there, and they're coercing everybody to use it. Uh, the Bitcoin bros who seem to love freedom, quote-unquote, uh, they're all about it, which tells you everything that they that you need to know. They're all about the gains. They're not so much about the freedom. In my opinion, that's become unfortunately quite obvious to me. So here's Adam Back, who's behind Blockstream, and Blockstream is behind the Liquid Network that we just talked about. He said, the most valuable Bitcoin are those that no one knows you have. Yeah, so a fungibility issue. A fungibility issue is what he's talking about here. Doesn't seem to be honest enough to recognize that. Uh, and so, yeah. Why doesn't he talk about Monero? Why doesn't he talk about Monero is my question. Because nobody knows you have Monero if you do it right. Uh, and yeah, I don't understand why. Well, I do understand. What am I saying? <laughs> he's got very big financial interest in Bitcoin. And he's you know invested in it for quite a while, socially and economically. So yeah, we're not going to expect him to jump towards Monero. But that's just something to note. That's just something to note. He pretty much admits right there there's a fungibility problem. Not all Bitcoins are as valuable as other Bitcoins, uh, which means that all the units of account on the accounting ledger are not equal to each other, and therefore the accounting ledger is not optimally functional, um, which is a huge issue uh, because that's all Bitcoin is. It's an accounting ledger. So he was responding to Jack Posobiec, and we've got to figure out a way to reach out to Jack. I like Jack. But he's talking about Bitcoin right now. Maybe he's just talking about the increase of the price. But we need to reach out to him and talk about Monero. Because that is the real Bitcoin, in my opinion. It's what people think Bitcoin is, which it's not. Uh, give me Liberty, who you would anticipate is all about Liberty, right? He says, if you ever wonder why you get taxed on your hard-earned money, when the Bitcoin can just print it out of thin air, Bitcoin is for you. Uh, well, they're going <laughs> to... They're going to come after your Bitcoin and tax it, Mr. Give Me Liberty. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you may be able to escape 
the inflation of the U.S. dollar by being in Bitcoin. But the issue with that is they're going to go after your unrealized capital gains. Uh, and people are still uh, thinking that this is not going to happen. I think it's almost inevitable, to tell you the truth. I never say anything is inevitable. A lot of things come down to human will. But yeah, I think it's highly likely that they're going to be implementing unrealized capital gains taxes. Go check out our videos on that. We've made a couple of videos talking about this. Uh, it seems highly likely that it's coming here. And when that happens, your inflation-adjusted gains are going to be taxed, which means your real wealth is going to go down. Uh, it's going to be legit wealth confiscation. Because if you have you know, $50,000 of Bitcoin and inflation's running at, let's just say, make the numbers easy, 100%. Uh, or let's make it realistic, 10%. Okay, so your Bitcoin then goes to $55,000, right? Because it's pegged to inflation, or at least that's the anticipation. It's going through an adoption phase right now, so it's probably going to increase more than inflation itself. But once the adoption phase ends, um, or maybe it just goes into a bear market, something, well, whatever. If you have an increase in nominal value of your Bitcoin, well, they're going to tax that nominal gain. The real value of your Bitcoin isn't going up because you're still only able to buy the same number of goods as you were the year before with the Bitcoin that you have uh, because the price of everything has gone up and your Bitcoin has gone up in tandem with that. But they want to tax that increase on the Bitcoin, right? And so that is wealth confiscation that's going to be coming. And they're going to be able to do that because they see your balances, and barely anybody nowadays has non-KYC Bitcoin because all of the exchanges are going full KYC. And the Digital Currency Group and other investment firms like this who are invested in exchanges all over the world and are all about KYC. Well, I mean, that's going to be coming to every exchange. And let's just get to this here. Let's just get to this real quick. Somebody had posted this in the Concealed Network Discord. What's up, guys? You're awesome. Now, I know some of you can't see this, so let me just read this to you real quick. Are we still recording? We are. Uh, it says here, um, following a review of your BitBuy account. So this is an email from BitBuy. We require that you read and sign the attached waiver in order to continue using BitBuy's product and services. We ask that you return the signed waiver as an attachment in a reply to this email within the next 10 days, failure to provide this information may result in restrictions being placed on your BitBuy account. Additionally, you are being contacted in regards to your BitBuy account activity. It has come to our attention that you have used your BitBuy account to send and or receive cryptocurrency from TradeOgre. We love TradeOgre, don't we? TradeOgre is offering investment services to Canadians and is not registered with any regulator in Canada to provide these types of services. Moving forward, any cryptocurrency deposits and or withdrawals from your BitBuy account with TradeOgre will result in the immediate termination of your BitBuy account. So look, this is what's coming, guys. What's coming is if you do not get your crypto from a KYC exchange and they think that you're doing any kind of crypto-related activity, with non-KYC exchanges. They're going to shut down your KYC account. And so they're going to make that the way that they bring you into KYC and have you only use KYC, right? And so atomic swaps are, of course, going to be very helpful for this. But 
the issue here is that, um, you know, they're going to shut off your capacity to get onto the on-ramps and to get crypto um, without KYC. Everything's going to be KYC. That's the direction that we're going, right? So uh, that is something to definitely consider there because if you get your crypto KYC, they know you have it. And this has even been documented to where even if you take your crypto, your Bitcoin, off of the KYC exchange onto a wallet, maybe you move that Bitcoin to another wallet and then you move it to TradeOgre, they still know you're doing that. They still know that your Bitcoin invariably made it to TradeOgre and they still send you an email. This has happened before. And so they're tracing your Bitcoin a few hops off of the exchange. And we talked about this before where your Bitcoin could be tainted down the line from, you know, maybe you held Bitcoin, you sent it to another wallet, and it's not even your wallet. They sent it to another wallet, and maybe it's some, like, Russian cyber dude, right, who's doing some nefarious things. Well, then, they could implicate you in that. You could get a letter from the exchanges saying that, hey, uh, we noticed that you could be involved in some illegal activity, so we're going to shut down your account. This has happened to people. This is documented. This has happened to people. So... Uh, this is another reason, again, to get into Monero. Now, one thing I do want to uh, note, one thing I find interesting. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. I wonder if you will be able to do atomic swaps with the central bank digital currencies for Monero. If that is able to happen, and you don't have to use these exchanges, you don't have to go on any centralized exchanges, which are becoming the new banks, by the way. If you could have your central bank digital currency and you could get that from your work, you could get that from uh, whatever goods or services that you provide into the market, right? You could then exchange that in an atomic swap with somebody for Monero. Or maybe you could just uh, find somebody locally to do it with. I don't know. That's going to be huge. That's going to be absolutely huge. Because if they do shut off the fiat on-ramps, um, and we do continue this movement into a totally technocratic, panopticonical 1984 uh, surveillance world, and people begin to wake up to this, and they realize just how important Monero is, um, the inflows into Monero and the inflows into Pyrochain and the inflows into Darrow and Haven and these other coins is going to be nuclear. It's literally going to be like the Bitcoin run-up in 2017 times like five. <laughs> like it, it's going to be insane. And maybe that's a little bit hyperbolic, but I do believe that the moves are going to be unprecedented. I, I think that they're going to be nuclear. There's going to be a moment when people wake up to this stuff and it's literally going to be a mad dash panic into Monero. Uh, and I think Atomic Swap is going to play into this. But uh, I, I'd be on the lookout for that. I'd be on the lookout for that. If if that's a thing, that you could literally take your central bank digital currency and Atomic Swap it for Monero, which is basically just you sending your digital currency to somebody else across the world. They send you the Monero. Nobody knows that. Uh, second exchange is taking place. What's seen by the regulators per se is just you giving your digital currency to somebody else. Maybe you could 
uh, you know, uh, qualify that as some consulting service, or maybe uh, they sold you some uh, NFT or some art or something like this, right? Some worthless JPEG, right? That maybe that's how you could do it, right? Like you do this atomic swap. You have your central bank digital currency. They have their Monero. You get the Monero. You give them the central bank digital currency in order to make it look like you're not just giving them money, uh, and you're getting some consideration back. Well, then they can just like scribble up some uh, ridiculous JPEG on you know Photoshop or something like this, send it to you, and then voila, you've completed the atomic swap, and nobody suspects a thing. That would be huge. That would be absolutely huge. Um, that's something to look out for. I hope that can happen. I, I don't know if I'm over my head in thinking that's the case, but technology is amazing. The Monero community developers are incredible. So, you know, I'm not uh, thinking that's impossible, right? So that's something to look for. Another cope, and Pompliano, I like Pompliano. He's got some good takes. Uh, he seems like a gen- genuinely good guy, but he's a bit of a coper. Um, Ray Dalio. George Soros, Stanley Druckenmiller, Steve Cohen, Howard Marks, Paul Trudor Jones. Uh, we literally memed. So he says right here, <laughs> we literally memed a $1 trillion asset into the hands of the world's most respected investors. Uh, respected investors. Uh, I'm going to try not to say anything that I'm not allowed to say, but yeah, it's interesting, right? So Ray Dalio... This is interesting. This is interesting. What did Ray Dalio say recently? I think he said, yes, here on Market Watch. At the end of the day, if Bitcoin is successful, governments will kill it, says Ray Dalio. Yeah, they will. <laughs> and a lot of the Bitcoin bros, they're like, yeah, they can't do that. They can't stop the internet. They can't stop my Bitcoin. Yeah, well, they can't. They absolutely can. Uh, he says this, I think at the end of the day, if it's really successful, they'll kill it. And they'll try to kill it. And remember, this guy is on the Federal Reserve Investment Advisory Committee. This guy was the biggest hedge fund manager in the world. Uh, we're, we're talking about, uh, what is it? Uh, yeah, Bridgewater Associates. I think he knows what he's talking about, guys. I don't think he's talking out of his, uh, you know, his pineapple. Like, he knows what he's talking about. I think they will kill it because they have ways of killing it. Yeah, and Bitcoin bros, I think Ray Dalio knows more than you in regards to this stuff as to what they're going to do, how they're going to employ this stuff. You don't think Ray Dalio has had these conversations with the people at the Fed, with the people who are really in charge of things? Of course he has. And look, Ray Dalio has a lot of business interests in China, right? And he has seen how the China has killed Bitcoin over there. And they have been pretty successful in doing that, which is why there's this movement now to make them aware of Monero. And I, there is a cool initiative. Go check it out. It's on uh, you know, some Monero form out there. It's like the Monero bounty system. There's a new initiative to translate uh, how to do atomic swaps from Bitcoin into Monero in Cantonese, in the Chinese language. And so that's a good initiative. Go donate to that if you're willing to help that initiative out. But yeah, they've clamped down on Bitcoin. And you don't think that he and the people in charge don't have some methodology by which they can do this? Of course they do. And we've talked about that in this video. (laughs) And we've talked about that since the beginning of this channel. Unrealized capital gains taxes, uh, having it be a capital asset, 
uh, making it so exchanges maybe don't even let you take your crypto off the exchange. And if you do, you've got to tell them where you're taking it. Um, yeah, they totally have ways to kill this stuff or at least kill the freedom element of it to where, you know, Bitcoin, it's not like it's going to give you financial freedom to where you can spend it on what you want. I mean, the black market has already figured this out. You go on the dark web, very few people are accepting Bitcoin anymore. It's all Monero. Uh, so yes, they have ways of doing this. We could go into more detail as to what those ways are, but they do. They do. Um, he says, but that doesn't mean it doesn't have a place, a value, and so on. So yeah, he's into Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah, the more successful that Bitcoin becomes, the more likely it will be get neutralized by governments and regulators supporting traditional monetary systems. Exactly. And this is going to be coming here in the West. When they rolled out the CBDC in China, they destroyed the cryptos. When they roll out the CBDC in all of these countries around the world, that are working on central bank digital currencies. And again, go check out our MasterCard video. MasterCard is working on central bank digital currencies with uh, you know central banks all over the world. They have over 100 blockchain patents. There is a new crypto world order coming into being here. And my speculation for a while now has been Bitcoin is associated with the population as being blockchain and crypto. And because a lot of people have gotten rich off Bitcoin, they see Bitcoin as being something, or they see blockchain and crypto as being something that's going to lead them to riches, going to lead them into a bright new world. And given that the libertarians have been the main proponents of Bitcoin going back to 2013, they see it as a road to freedom. And so now that the population has been psyoped into thinking that Bitcoin is blockchain is crypto, now they're going to roll out the new crypto world order. And in you know, perfect Huxley and brave new world fashion, people are going to see that and be like, oh, this is fantastic. Liberty is here. Wealth is here. Prosperity is here when it's exactly the opposite, when it's exactly the opposite. So yeah, they're going to do that. They're absolutely going to do that. So just keep a lookout for that, guys. Keep a lookout for that, guys. So back to Pompliano, and this will play into what we just talked about here. Breaking SEC chairman Gary Gensler says the SEC has no plans to ban Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. <laughs> and Eric Voorhees says, yeah, well, it's not their jurisdiction. Bitcoin isn't a security. Well, they're probably going to list other cryptos as securities. They're probably going to list Ethereum as a security, if I could guess. Uh, we talked about that with Arctic Mine. Uh, and all this stuff going on with Ripple. And remember, the people behind Ripple are the digital currency bros. They are the banks. Uh, we've looked into that here on the channel. And so it could be that the entire court case against Ripple is just one big Trojan horse to open up a lot of cryptos, particularly in the DeFi space, but a lot of cryptos out there as being securities. And that's going to make it significantly harder for other competitors to get into the space. It's going to be hard for uh, everyday people to get into the space because in order to get into the space, you're have, you're going to have to be KYC'd, right? Um, and that's going to come with uh, regulatory burdens for you know the people in charge of these projects. And so that's something to consider there. Or they just may ban the products or projects. I don't know what they'll do. But uh, yeah, I don't know why you would trust the government. And I'm not saying he's saying here, trust the government, but he's saying this as a bullish case for Bitcoin. Oh, the government says they're not going to ban Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Do you guys trust the government? <laughs> like, Do you guys trust these people to, again be looking after your freedom 
and to be looking out for your financial interests. Uh, the trend for the last thousand years has not been that case. So uh, I don't trust the government. And again, he's trusting the government here to some degree. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell clearly states that the United States has no intention to ban Bitcoin. Now, I haven't seen him give his takes on this in his videos. He does make videos uh, talking about this. I haven't seen those videos to be fair. Maybe he caveats this. But why anyone would trust Jerome Powell <laughs> and the veracity of that man's statements on anything, I mean, look, that's just ridiculous, right? I don't have to explain that to this audience that we have here on the channel. This guy's the head of the Federal Reserve. Uh, his job is to lie to the world about how catastrophic the situation is that they've caused. So I, I don't trust anything that they say. And if something suits their interest, they're going to do it. And if they're going to lie, they're going to do it. That's been well evidenced. So I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, we've talked about a good bit here. Um, I'm going to make this a series. The Bitcoin Coper series. I got I to gotta come up with a better name, though. Bitcoin Coper series. Give me your recommendations. Give me your recommendations in the comment section, what I should call this series. Uh, but I think it's fun. I think it's fun to check out where the Bitcoin bros are at. Uh, and just, it's interesting to see how this movement has evolved. You know, it, it started with the Satoshi white paper. It's going to be peer-to-peer -peer digital cash. It's going to be the key, the key to lock you out of your monetary jail cell, right? Uh, and then you had the anarcho-capitalist apostles like Jeff Berwick and Stefan Molyneux and people like this who were all about freedom, all about liberty, all about being against the state. And now, you know, 10 years later, you have people like, so gung-ho excited about Bitcoin being adopted by the state and uh, being regulated and taxed. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. It's just like, uh, <laughs> I haven't been here a while, but what happened here? <laughs> what happened? Uh, you know, it, it's just crazy. So just let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about this video. Give it a thumbs up if you thought it was cool. And uh, follow us on our social media links and all that stuff. Keep it real, guys. Keep it real. No price predictions here. Just talking about the real deets, talking about the real key content to get out to you guys to make you think about things that are going on, not to just, you know, pump your dopamine, your serotonin receptors with BS about how rich you're going to be in a world where you're going to be unfree. So that is all I have to say, ladies and gentlemen. Minera Mateo, thanks for stopping by. And yeah, God bless.